Hello and welcome to the Gridiron NFL 100 show, a new season-long podcast looking at the storied rivalries which make the NFL so special as we enter its 100th season. Told by my favourite NFL historian, Matthew Sherry, but also those who lived it, Hall of Famers, uh, from all of the teams that we're going to be discussing across this season, a special year for the NFL. You're listening to the NFL 100 Show, brand new podcast. Will Gavin, Matt Sherry alongside me. Hey, buddy, how we doing? I'm absolutely fantastic, Will. We're in Chicago. We're living the dream. It's just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we're heading to Soldier Field tonight for one of the biggest games in the history of the NFL. A, a huge rivalry. One that people don't realise just how intrinsically linked these teams are, not just from being 200 miles from each other and the fact that over their rivalry there's only, what, two games separating their overall record in, in that time. But the fact that... It, it delivers time and time again and goes all the way back to pretty much the start of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating one. When it was, I think it was last season where there was about three points separating the two teams across every game they've ever played, and that, that's astonishing. I mean, the, the rivalry itself is, is an unlikely tale that mirrors that of the, the rise of the NFL, really. I mean, the, the Packers in particular, the... the the fact that the Packers exist is is mind blowing to me, and and you know the reason we're doing this podcast is I'm in the process of writing a book on the on the 100 year history of the NFL through 20 games that will be out in August next year, and you know Green Bay, I've always been fascinated by them, but even more so in terms of doing do, going through that process because they're a team that just shouldn't have existed. I mean. They got into the NFL because the NFL was desperate for any team that they could find. Um, but then, as the NFL grew a little bit, they eventually culled a lot of the small market teams, and the Packers were an unlikely survival story. Now, they survived for multiple reasons. The main one is probably that the town basically ignored prohibition laws that meant you know, teams would arrive early and leave late for games against the Packers, essentially so they could get hammered legally. Oh, I feel that one. <laughs> I can feel that one. It's like uh, the first time you come to the States when you've turned 21. But, it's but, a wonderful thing. But, I mean, the big, one of the other big reasons is, is the pageantry of the fans, and it was first shown in the first game between these teams because, basically, they arrived in town in 1921 for that game, and... The Packers brought a lumberjack band. I think I think of five hundred that they paid about one hundred and thirty dollars each in today's money to attend the game, and that really that's the pageantry we associate with football. But in the NFL at the start, it didn't exist. You know, they'd seen that in college football, and and also high school, but never in the pros. And the pro game at that time was was basically looked upon as a as a negative pursuit and and kind of hated by by the fan base. So you know that pageantry carries through. The Packers actually improve on the field as well, and that's important. That's what really fuels this rivalry. At the end of the decade, the Packers were the best team in football. You know, Curly Lambeau was the coach, and also he, he made some key signings as well. There was one off-season where he signed Cal Hubbard, Mike Michalski, and Johnny Blood. Blood was a, a pass catcher, one of the best of the day for one of the few teams who threw it a lot. And the other two were stars on defence, and they put the Packers over the top to the point that they achieved something that has only been done by one team in history, and the Packers have done it twice, which is win three championships in a row. Now, that's where the rivalry really gets going, because 
the Bears were the NFL. They were the team who made the most money. And that was what was most important in those days. But on the field, it was the Packers in those early years who, who took a big edge until, until later on when the Monsters of Midway came along. Well, we've got four massive interviews coming up for you today on this great story rivalry. And this will be, as, as Matt mentioned, I, I wasn't sure if we were allowed to talk about the book yet, to be honest. But I'm not sure we are either. We'll <laughs> That's fine. We'll do it. Uh, Matt's brilliant book coming out next year will include lots of Hall of Famers that you'll have heard on the podcast maybe before when we've spoken to them at Super Bowls and lots of new interviews as well and so we're going to hear today from four massive names Matt yeah Sorry. absolutely um dave robinson hall of famer linebacker for the packers boyd dowler the star wide receiver on those vince lombardi teams dan hampton a member of the 85 bears another hall of famer and brian erlacher a third hall of famer who who's obviously been a bit more a bit more recent and and what we're trying to do really is get at the heart of what makes it such a special rivalry and i and i think I guess what makes it such a special rivalry outside of the great teams, you know, is is the times when the, they've given each other a helping hand. You know, mm-hmm. there, was, there was there was one instance where George Hallis said to the owners of Green Bay, "Look, I'm really struggling to pay the guarantee at the moment," and they just give him an IOU, and Hallis, Hallis repaid the money the next year. George Hallis also stood in front of the the Green Bay the Green Bay town. Um, hierarchy and basically gave an impassioned speech as to why they should build Lambeau Field and that was crucial at the time because it did look like the Packers might move to Milwaukee where they were playing a lot more home games but no, they stayed in Green Bay and Hallis was, was a big reason for that and then obviously they're tied together by the fascination of the championships, you know, I said Green Bay got the edge in, in, in the um, in the late 20s, early 30s. Well, then the, the Bears kind of rolled back, won a couple of championships. And then at the, end of the, at the end of the decade, the Bears produced probably their greatest ever team, the original Monsters of Midway. And that was right around... The, the Packers were still really good at that time. And, you know, they had Don Hudson, who's probably their greatest ever player. But the Monsters of Midway won four titles in seven years. And it could have been more because World War II intervened. George Hallis was one of those that went to war. And I think one fascinating stat around that time is, um, I think it was 1939 championship game, was was attended by about a fifth of the amount of people who actually went to that year's Packers game, Packers-Bears game. That game, Amazing. That game became more important than the championship game, and I think that's fascinating. Uh, I, this week I've been able to go up to Hallis Hall and actually see the history, the statues, everything there. They've unveiled statues uh, this week at the, the, the stadium itself uh, alongside George Hallis of Walter Payton, Sweetness. Uh, you know, and we, we walk around this, towns, this town, and it's, uh, it's intrinsic. The love of the Bears, it's yeah. absolutely everywhere. And not just the love of the Bears, but almost the hatred of the Packers as well is, is a part of that. And they have a lot of, uh, there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of fun with it. But I, I don't know, I'm so excited for, for tonight because it's going to be a chance to see one of the best rivalries in the history of the NFL play out live. Should we get to our first interview? Yeah, because let's do that. I mean, so at the point of going into the 1960s, the Chicago Bears led the Green Bay Packers by one championship. And then we really see this defining period for this rivalry over the 1960s with the arrival of a a certain Vince Lombardi. So let's start by asking Dave Robinson, just what is the rivalry with the Bears like and what was it like in the 1960s? Oh, that was, was, you you know, see, here's the thing. You know, know, of course, that Green Bay and the Bears 
they played every year because that was the biggest game in, in Green Bay Packers in the early years. They, they, their game was the game because they played the, the Chicago Bears. And, uh, and in fact, uh, one year when the Packers played the Bears, they, they used to pass the hat. They never didn't pay. You'd come into the game for free and they passed the hat and they took that money to pay the Bears. And they didn't collect enough money, so the Packers gave the Bears an IOU. And then the next year when the Bears, Packers went down to Chicago to play the Bears, George Howard gave the IOU back to the Packers instead of giving them money. <laughs> and it was just it was just a great rivalry going on between the two teams. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, George Howard went to Canton and joined the NFL in 1919. And uh, the NFL started in 1920. But, and they, but they had a contract, so they had to play the Packers. When they got, they got ready for the 1921 season, the Packers asked the Bears what they were going to do. And the Bears said, well, we can't play it. And they said, why not? I said, we can only play teams that are in the National Football League. Well, call something else. It had to be, only we had to play only play teams in the league. So Green Bay, rather than not play the Bears, joined the league. Green Bay joined the league in the second year. So that but that 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 kept the rivalry with Chicago going. So the whole the whole thing of Green Bay being in the National, we wouldn't even be in the National Football League hadn't been for the Bears. And so it's a great rivalry. And George Howard was a great coach. And, he, and our coach Lombardi said the only coach here in the league that he calls coach is George Howard. He had that much respect for George Howard and his teams. And therefore, and, and when Vince and Vince wanted to show George Howard how good a coach he was and how great his team was, and, and the pressure Vince felt in playing George Howard, it came down, it wilted down to us. We felt the same pressure. We could anything to keep from beat, losing to the Bears. The Bears, it was our rivalry. We we played the Bears three times a year, in fact, and they all of them were all of them were dog fights. We used to play them once once in the preseason, and then home and home during the regular season. And uh, it was just a uh, it was just a hard fought game. All three of them were hard fought games, I'd say. But that's the way we liked it, you know. Was, and, was... uh, and then there was a lot of individual rivalry, like myself. I played at Penn State. Mike Dicker played at University of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Arch rivalry. Penn State and Pitt a big rivalry during the season in college. And now I come to Pro Bowl. Now my biggest rival, the Chicago Bears, the tight end is is uh, is Mike Dicker. And I got to go one-on-one with Mike Dicker. And then I got that tradition of years and years of going against him at Pitt and then with the Bears. And see, we're always, on, always in opposition against each other. It was just a great... And I got... The win or the beat Mike Dicker, I called it. not just the Bears, the beat Mike Dicker, big thrill to me. I just, to show him that, but I played him when I was a sophomore, and he was a senior in, in college. I would let him know that little sophomore growing up. You know, <laughs> I was a big man now. You gotta respect me. It's just, just a sense of pride to play against guys like it's a, a privilege and a pride to play in the game against a guy like Mike Dicker. And, what, is it, and that's the whole thing. And here's something. And one thing I'd say. What people don't understand is the more you like a guy, the better friends you are with the guy, the more you respect him, the harder you hit him. Because you never want a guy you like and respect and think you want to call your friend. They were him to go home and talk to his wife and friends and say, you know, we played Green Bay today and Dave's getting a little soft. He didn't play very hard. You want him to go back and say, boy, Dave's playing harder than ever. And so the guys you like, the guys you really like the most, the guys you that you go, the guys you walk through fire to save in, in, in a in a roaring inferno, that's the guy you hit the hardest. And it's a funny sport, but because you want his respect, and he hits you hard because he wants you to respect him also. 
That's what makes the game so great. Is is it true that Coach Lombardi was was always quite paranoid on Bears Week as well, in that he was kind of making sure nobody was watching practices and just keeping an eye on who was oh, around yeah. the town? Yeah. The three games of Vince Lombardi was Vince and I would, would get up up tight about and change the period down us and, and worked as hard all week to get ready for the game. Number one was the Bear game. Bear week, they called it. Then he caught the game. We say we look the schedule and say, "Oh, look, we play the Bears on the fifteenth of September. That's Bear week." And that's what we call it. That means Vince was going to be in his in his mood. The practice was going to be rough practices, getting ready for the Bears. The other was the the uh, Dallas Cowboys. He did not want to lose the Tom Landry. Yeah. And uh, I I remember Tom Landry. Any game that counted, we lost. I remember one time. When it was a, a preseason game, it's the only time that the Dallas beat us when Vince was here, and and then the other one was the New York Giants because he'd been with the Giants and wanted to coach him, and and they they told him they they weren't going to give him the head coaching job even though he deserved it, and told him if he wanted to coach, go to Green Bay. So he said that he would he made a vow never to lose to the Giants, so he never did. So the Giants were on the schedule, we knew it was going to be a rough week. The Bears were on the schedule, another rough week. The Dallas Cowboys, another rough week, and uh, and then the other games were, and then of course our arch rivals, which was was uh, Baltimore. That was always oh, that was Baltimore and Green Bay. Those in those days were going the two big rivalries in the league. Yeah, and uh, so uh, that was always a rough week. So Vince had certain games, but the one thing he did, and I noticed uh, when I played with George Howard, uh, George Allen at Dallas, he got the team up as high as he could get them every game. I mean, he took it. When you walked on the field, you were so ready to hit everybody. Every, you just catch a high with his, with his pregame talk. Vince would check the, the competition. And he's like, let's say, in those days, it's not the same today, but in those days, Philadelphia wasn't very strong. So he'd say, I don't have to get these guys to the, to the fever point. I just got to get them ready. And then and, and, that, and then, we, then he says, now we got Baltimore. Now I got to get them real high. Fever that's ready to go bust through the wall to hit somebody. And what that did by going up and down the scale and not getting it high every week, when you get to the playoffs, you got something left. But George Allen doing the getting it to you, getting up as high as you get every week. By the time it got to the playoffs, it was stale yeah. and it didn't last anymore. And it, the same words, and hence he didn't win the he couldn't win the championship games. That was Dave Robinson, Hall of Fame linebacker for the Green Bay Packers, talking well about this story rivalry we're discussing on the Gridiron NFL 100 show, Packers Bears. Where next, Matthew? Well, I think we hear from Boyd Dowler, don't we? Just a, another insight into the Packers under Lombardi and the rivalry during those years. He, I think the interesting part about Dowler is he says some different things to to Robinson, particularly find interesting. I mean, it'd be weird if he went word for yeah, word the yeah, same. It would be very odd, wouldn't it? <laughs> Almost as odd as me and you laid naked recording this in a hotel room bed. <laughs> Do you know what the funny part is? I was really keen for us to record this at Cubs Park, the site of the first ever game, which is now called Wrigley Field. Instead, we're in a hotel room bed. <laughs> I blame the Chicago nightlife. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, Boyd Dowler. That's responsible for my gruff voice as well. Um, yeah, Boyd Dowler was great. And it, particularly interesting for me on the... Um, on the the basketball games that the two teams played in the off season, so let's hear you from Boyd now. The Bears and the Packers had a history long before I got there. I got I got there, I got there in '59, of course, with Vince, and I didn't start. I didn't start the first. We opened the season against him my rookie year in '59, and he told me he wasn't going to start me. He said, "But you're going to be in there, so be ready." And in the middle of the 
think it was the middle of the first quarter. He put me in the game and Bart called a pass, post pattern for me on the very first play. And Erich Barnes, who was the defensive cornerback for the Bears, came up and tried to tried to uh, cross body block me, tried to knock me down instead of covering me, and I jumped over him yeah. and never didn't didn't slow down. And well, I did slow down. I, he shocked me, and I shouldn't have slowed down because Bart threw a perfect ball, and I had and I caught up to it. And uh, dropped the ball. Oh, really? That was my first. That was my first play in the National Football League. You know, a very in a league game. I I played a lot in the preseason, but that was my first play in the game, and it should have been a sixty-some yard touchdown. And I dropped the ball. Told him any great way to start. <laughs> that was not. I wasn't feeling real good. And he didn't. He didn't. He didn't get on my butt. He was. He was good to me. He says you're gonna. He says I'm, you, you're gonna go back in there. So, you know, get used to it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so I got used to it. it. It felt like that was the Bears, you know, obviously a fierce rivalry, but it, it felt like George Hallis and Coach Lombardi actually had quite a good relationship. They didn't, they had a healthy respect for each other. There wasn't anything, I don't think there was any animosity between the coaches. The Bears and the Packers have always been a, a big rivalry. Was, was it intense that, when you uh, went into Chicago? Yeah, we always, you know, we have in early in those 60s, early in the 60s too, uh, Detroit was a, Detroit was a big uh, rivalry yeah. with us. And then later on, when the Vikings got good, they were a big rivalry. That, that black and blue division yeah. with the Bears and the Packers, the Lions and the, and the Vikings, those four teams right there in the same, in the right around the Great Lakes region, and everything was a uh, that was a big that was a big uh, a big division. There were only four. There were four teams. There were sixteen teams at the time. Yeah, and that was uh, those were that was uh, that was how it worked. And uh, yeah, we had we played them twice a year, and we played a preseason game against them down in. Uh, down in Milwaukee, and uh, every year. So we played the Bears. We played the Bears every year, three times. Yeah. And it was. It was. Uh, we knew them. We had a little off-season exhibition basketball games. We go down, go down and play them. They come up and play us. We knew the guys. They're good guys, and uh, they didn't beat us very often. But uh, that was. Uh, it's still a good rivalry. We Danes are a modest bunch. We enjoy simple pleasures. As such, we tend not to blow our own trumpets. But since Carlsberg Export has a refined, full-bodied and rather satisfying taste, perhaps just this once. Too much? Probably. Carlsberg Export, probably the most modest beer in the world. Enjoy responsibly. Drinkaware.co.uk for the facts. Hazel Irvin here at Spencer Park in Coventry, where 37-year-old Emily and her mates are taking part in a fancy dress fun run to fundraise for sports relief. And that means I've been lumbered with her dog, Tilly. Oh, Tilly, not over there. And they're off. An impressive array of costumes on show today, everything from penguins to pirates, all taking on poverty and injustice. Respect. 
Spectacular! Poverty getting crushed by Katie on a space hopper. Easy. Coming into the final stretch now, and it's neck and neck. I think we're in for a photo finish here. But it's Suzanne smashing through injustice. She is our winner. Hey, Tilly, get off my tutu. Tilly, sit. You can help change the world too. Just get your exclusive Sport Relief merchandise at Janeiro's Sainsbury's. Sport Relief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. Boyd Dowler, Hall of Fame wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. Will Gavin, Matt Sherry with the NFL 100 show for you. Now, after we had title town and those wonderful years in the in the 50s and 60s, everyone remembers the 85 Bears. But there's a kind of a bit of a 16, 17-year gap in the middle there. Yeah, well, I mean, well, it's a 22-year gap for championships. The last one was in 63, which was the last under George Hallis' head coach. And it, this was a real low period for both franchises. Once, once Lombardi left Green Bay, they were both basically a shambles from that point forward. And they had, you know, great players from that Lombardi team, Bart Starr, Forrest Gregg. They both tried as head coaches and failed, and, and it didn't work. And it was a similar story in Chicago. I, I, in fact, it was an incredibly frustrating time after 63 for the Chicago Bears. In 1965, in the same draft, the Chicago Bears drafted Dick Butkus... And Gail says, <laughs> to, to, and, and I think I think they were a pick apart as well. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, well, other people can look that up. I think they were a pick apart in '65. Do you know how many playoff games they played? Go on, zero, zero. They didn't play in any playoff games. It's an astonishing, astonishing start. Now, obviously, a big part of that was the Lombardi Packers, but it's just incredible. I mean, Gail says to me. Another part of this book I've enjoyed is learning a little bit more about players who I obviously knew of, but actually I now think are much greater players than they were. Gail says is potentially the greatest running back of all time, and the only reason he sometimes isn't mentioned in that conversation is simply because injuries curtailed his career at the end. But I think he's the fastest player to 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, and 9,000 rushing yards. So in terms of pure production... He is indisputably the greatest ever. You know what I mean in terms of speed of doing it. But, but he, and he did it on a terrible team and so did Bookers. Dick Bookers once won Defensive Player of the Year when the Chicago Bears went 1-13. and That's incredible. <laughs> I, I, I did see a stat when you're talking about the, the kind of lean years, but also something that really caught my eye when we were researching this was the fact that there have only been four years ever starting in 1941, going up to 2010, where both teams have made the playoffs. Yep. So, like you were saying, there's that element of suppression where when the Packers were good, it held the Bears down. And we've seen vice versa over the years. Yeah, we have. We've, we've, seen, we've seen all those things. And, 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 I mean, the Bears eventually right the ship with this unlikely marriage of Mike Dicker and Buddy Ryan that George Hallis... It, 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 just to tell the story quickly, essentially, Buddy Ryan was already in Chicago... The players knew the head coach was about to be fired and went to George Hallis and, um, and, and sent a letter and said, regardless of who the next head coach is, we think Buddy Ryan should stay. George Hallis, I think in his, in his 70s or 80s at the time, 
put on his overcoat, went to Hallis Hall, and Dan Hampton describes him as like the Queen at that point. You know, he wasn't really involved in day-to-day operations. He was a figurehead. But he walked into the room, told the coaches to hit the bricks, and revealed that he was extending Ryan's contract. And then Mike Ditka, separate to that, who another great player in those 60s Bears teams, admittedly won a won a championship with them, he fell out with Hallis when he was traded to the Eagles because he said that Hallis threw Nichols around like manhole covers because he wouldn't give him a big contract. He sent him a letter and said he wanted to be the Bears head coach. And we have this outrageously unlikely marriage that fosters probably the greatest team in NFL history in a single season. And the numbers support that for those 85 Bears. If Jim McMahon doesn't get injured more, they probably win multiple championships. That was the only thing holding them back. But for me... The 85 season sums up why this rivalry is so amazing and Dan, Dan Hampton is going gonna, is gonna to tell us why right now. Just to kind of, what would you call it, highlight yeah. the, uh, the, the, uh, the amazing series between the Bears and Packers. I don't know what it was. You know, last year they played, two, they played 200 times. Each team had won like... 90 and they had like 10 ties. Yeah. The total points scored by both both teams was like three points apart. Think about that. Yeah, 200 games and there's only like three points difference. And, you know, you know, one team that scored 28,650. Anyway, it's, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable how close, how competitive this uh, series has been over the years. And, it, it, it's funny, you know, like I said, teams that didn't see us in the 46, well, they had no chance. Well, the Packers, they got to see us twice a year. So they had a little bit better feel of what they needed to do to kind of, you know, manage the chaos. But even those two games that we played the Super Bowl year, they weren't blowouts. They were, they were pretty damn competitive. I think the one up in Green Bay, Fridge Perry had to catch a damn touchdown pass on a trick play for us to, to beat them. So, I mean, that tells you how close it was. I mean, it was, it was, you know, I hate the Packers, but I have to give them kudos because we should have killed them. But Hey, you know, that's just the rivalry. You just, you just never know. And, and, and the final question, again, a little bit more bigger picture and philosophical is, you know, what does it mean to you to, to be a Chicago Bear? What is a what is a good Chicago Bear? What should they embody, I guess? As we started, Chicago was the Siberia of the NFL. <laughs> no one wanted to come here when I got here. When I left here, everybody with, that ever put on a helmet wanted to be a Chicago Bear. And it was a combination of a lot of great people that made that happen. And you can say it was started by, you know, Hallis and, and then bringing in Dick Guy and keeping Buddy Ryan and all, but all the players, you know, we had, we had a special, special group of players. And at the end of the day, to be able to have played in the NFL for a long time and then make it to the Hall of Fame, that, that's exceptional. But to play for the footing and the foundation of the NFL. This is where it started. This is the mecca of pro football. And to have done it here, where we have more Hall of Famers than any other franchise on the planet, is truly, truly an amazing blessing. So 
Dan Hampton, their former defensive tackle, part of that 85 Bears defense, 2002 Hall of Fame inductee. And what I thought was fascinating about that conversation, Sherry, was this idea that, yeah, in 85, 86, when that Bears defense was unbelievable, when they had one of the best seasons in the history of the NFL when they won that Super Bowl, is that the Packers were rubbish then, <laughs> but still... They had to, you know, once they played each other, it's it's that old cliche of form goes out of the window yeah. in a derby. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, you know, I think the fridge scored a touchdown in each of those games. And, and, and the first game was the one where the, the legend of the fridge first came from. So, yeah, I mean, they had to go the extra mile to beat them, to beat them even then. And... And then, you know, the rivalry goes on again. And in the 90s, a certain Brett Favre arrives in Green Bay. And, and just think, when Favre goes in and wins that Super Bowl against the Patriots, it had been, how many years? It had been 30 years since the Lombardi era. And, and they obviously, the, the first time they won a, a, a Super Bowl after that, that's a, an amazingly bad run, isn't it? Yeah. And, and then the Bears are in it. The, the Bears right now are in the midst of a bad run, you know? It's um, it's it's twenty thirty years since since eighty five. No, thirty years, bloody hell. Yeah, I mean it's it's thirty it's, plus it's, years. It's thirty four years, <laughs> yeah, Matthew. No, good God, it's. I was born in eighty four. It's thirty four yeah, years. Trust I mean, me. But that's insane, isn't it? I mean, we talk about these historic teams, and and the Packers have obviously won a Super Bowl again more recently with with Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, and and then much like Bookers, much like Sears. We've got guys like Brian Erlacher who've come into the NFL, been all-time greats. They're now in Canton, but they never won a championship with, with that team they played for their whole career. So I think that's fascinating. And, and let's hear Brian Erlacher on the modern-day elements of this rivalry. What's it like right now? With the tradition and the history of that, of that, um, you know, that rivalry, that'd be awesome. I think it'd be great. You know, it'd be different, obviously, because the Super Bowl champions he plays on Thursday, but you know, I think when you look at the 100 season, those are two of the mainstays in the NFL for the last 100 years. You know, the two of the first teams, we were the first, I think the other second or third. So to have that uh, for the 100 season, the first game of the year, that'd be really cool. I'd be on board for that. How about there be a soldier field, but I'd be on board with it, I guess. Well, you say that, but actually the fact that they get to go and play at Lambeau in September is surely a little bit of a benefit. Well, it doesn't matter. Either way, you know, soldier field to me is colder than Lambeau anyway. So it doesn't, you're going to play one cold game unless you play them early twice it's gonna, one of those games is going to be cold so it doesn't really matter weather doesn't win the game anyway the player got to make plays what was your memories of that rivalry awesome you know you learn quick when you get there uh, the media lets you know right away that that's a big deal uh, and Brett Favre was there when I got there so I grew up loving Brett Favre <laughs> so I was a huge fan of his you know I was a Cowboys fan so when they played the Cowboys he always throw for 350 400 yards but my first game we went up there and I stacked Brett Favre and we beat him 28-24 so I uh, have good memories from my first time up there yeah must have thought this whole NFL lock was easy oh yeah super easy yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's so hard to, it's amazing how hard games are to win in the NFL uh, people don't realize how minute um, the differences between winning and losing how was uh, the other thing you've been up to recently how was filming that uh, 100 years of the NFL advert that was a blast, you know. I so I went out there and we we, we did it all. Um, I guess in, in a week a week's time, the NFL shot this right after the NFC and AFC Championship weekend. Uh, went out there. They had me scheduled for three hours. It literally took me 
40 minutes to do my part. Peter Berg, the producer, director of the, uh, I think he's the direct, director of the um, commercial, was unbelievable. Got my part done. Uh, sat there and watched a little bit of everything else that was going on because the commercial was great. It's funny as heck to me. And then I got back to Arizona. I was in and out in the same day, and uh, the, the end product was phenomenal. And uh, getting to get involved with, I mean, you never get to hit another defensive guy. So actually getting to go in there and get a tackle yeah. on the legend like <laughs> Deion Sanders must have been fun. It was, you know, I didn't hit him. Just so not, that, was, that was our stunt doubles. There's there, there not much contact going on by us, uh, by us old guys. <laughs> I know Dion probably didn't get hit, and I dang, I dang sure didn't do any of the contact. All I did was run by the camera a couple times, and I think my stunt double did the rest. That's very cool. It's very cool. Because, I mean, obviously, with it being the 100 years of the NFL, you're a guy who spent your entire career at the Chicago Bears, at one of the original franchises. It, that weight mm-hmm. of history of playing for a team like that, is that something you feel when you first like arrive in the building and, and first kind of go to George Hallis and, and um, Hall and all that stuff? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think the sense of pride there and the sense of tradition, you feel right when you get to the house hall, you know, and even when you hear people talk about the Bears, you know, everywhere you go, people know. Even when we played in London in 2011, I'd never been to London. So you hear people talk about, I guess in 86 or 87, the Bears played in Ireland. And some of those people were in, I was roaming around London that week, just kind of sightseeing. I ran into some people who were at the other game when they played in Ireland. So it was just cool. Like the the Bears are worldwide, man. People love the Bears. And, and to be part of that tradition and, and franchise for as long as I was makes me very proud. Uh, me speaking with Brian Erlach earlier this off-season, uh, Hall of Fame linebacker and the man adorning many posters for uh, hair loss-related products <laughs> around the Chicago area, I must say. Uh, and he got his wish. We spoke before they had announced the schedule. We knew that they were going to be opening with the... Or I think we didn't actually even know at that point. I think we just heard yeah, rumours were in there, that, yeah. that it was Packers-Bears, yeah. and, and that hasn't been confirmed yet. Obviously, we got it confirmed. We got it confirmed that it was going to be at Soldier Field. So Erlacher got his wish. Interesting that he says, and, and like he was absolutely convinced about it, that Soldier Field in December is colder yeah. than... Lambo in winter my, my because of the wind. Yeah, and and I also guess the the way the breeze comes off the water as well. Like. When you're on the lake, and it is. I've sat up uh, the first time I came to Soldier Field uh, when I saw a Thursday night game against the Giants, and that wasn't so. The baseball playoffs were still going, so it probably only would have been late, mid late October. It wasn't even that late yeah. in the season. But we had, we had pre- two of us had press box seats and the other guys we were with all had tickets. And we went up and sat with them and they were in the top of the high stand, the one that, uh, like next to the water. Yeah. And in that top stand there, I've rarely felt wind like it. It is, I, I know, it's the windy city after all. <laughs> but honestly, it catches you up there. It is cold. I mean, we've, um, we've redis- redefined windy city over the last <laughs> 24 God. hours. But the, Why uh, do you have to bring it down? No, but on a serious note, what I'm looking forward to tonight most is before the game and for the first two minutes, and I made a point of doing this at Lambeau last year as well, because I've never been to Soldier Field. This will be a first for me. I'm going to just go and sit out in the Yeah, in the I was going to say, I mean, there's no way you'll get a seat, but yeah, we should go down to the get out and, in and around it. And in fact, that first game when I came for the Giants, it's one of those press boxes which... Uh, is all like hermetically sealed glass, yeah. so you can't hear it. You don't and there was the literally fireworks and everything going off, yeah. and you couldn't hear anything. Um, it was a terrible game for Eli that game. He threw picks on the first two. You're joking. Uh, He's not that kind of quarterback, <laughs> usually. <laughs> on the first two series, and they ended up going, oh, 0 oh 6, 0 oh 7 at that point. We went in the Giants locker room afterwards. I've never experienced anything <laughs> like that in my life. Despondent is the only word for it. Um, so, yeah, it, it's. 
the only the other one thing I wanted to mention, which I thought uh, the other story from this week, because you were talking about the fridge that I heard the other day from a, a Chicago native, was him basically uh, whinging and, and bitching about other Chicago Bears fans about that '85 team because apparently people still complain that they gave the ball to the fridge to score the touchdown. Yeah, instead of Walter instead Burton. of Walter Payton. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and, it's it's one of the biggest like, and and the sad part is that Payton. Peyton's an interesting guy as well because he looked he looked like he was following the Bookers Sears mold for most of his career. And he Dan Hampton, separate to to what we've just heard, also told me he he stood up in front of the locker room. And at this point, he was the NFL's Russian yardage leader already. He stood up in front of the locker room on the eve of the Super Bowl, not on the day of the Super Bowl against the Patriots, and said, "Thank you, guys. I never thought I'd walk on the fields with a chance to be a winner." which is just an incredible statement for a guy who was already one of the greatest running backs of all time. By the way, another good fact, uh, they picked Walter Payton with exactly the same pick they picked Gail Sayers with. I think think it was 10 years later. Um, So, yeah, and it it was a regret because Payton didn't react well after the game. He wouldn't talk to the media after the game even though he'd won the, the Super Bowl, because he wanted to score a touchdown, it meant a lot to him. And, and I think Mike Dicker ultimately regretted that, and it's, it's something that's still felt with Bears fans that he should have got a touchdown in what was a you know, 45-10 beatdown. But it's interesting that some Bears fans feel like that, and then this guy was saying that the guy did everything in his career, yeah. broke records, was one of the best, if not, many people believe, the best to ever do it. And, you know... He didn't score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, fine. But he did win a Super Bowl, which, you know, you were just talking about the likes of Buckkiss and Gale Sayers never even played in a playoff game. So it's they're, they're two teams who delivered for us time and time again. And I look back on last season, the opening game, what a game that was. I think it was the Sunday night football that week, because yeah. I think we had it um, with me and Ollie. And they uh, the Bears took that commanding lead. Aaron Rodgers got injured, was hobbling on that knee. And then he... Um, and then he went to... Just, just, just the comeback. Yeah, and we were in a bar in Chicago, weirdly, and they were showing that game on a replay on ESPN, I think it was. And the 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 moment it hit the end of the fourth quarter, and I think it was still 20-3, to three, I, rem- I even there watching it in the bar, I was like, I don't remember how he came back. Like, I don't, how, how did this happen? I know the first touchdown was quick after the beginning of the fourth quarter, but absolutely incredible. It delivers time and time again. Like I said, there are only two games separating them at this point in their overall record. And we'd have to look into the points. ties and then 95-97. Yeah. yeah, something like that. We'll uh, have to have a look at the points as well, because there was a couple of years ago, it was like three, three points. Three points separating <laughs> them. So it's absolutely unbelievable rivalry. It's going to be a brilliant game tonight at Soldier Field. Uh, I think, I actually say it's going to be a brilliant game tonight. It's fascinating because we, we're going to see whether or not uh, Aaron Rodgers in this new offense works. We're going to see whether the new defensive pieces, plus the loss of Ha-Ha Clinton Dix and all those other defensive backs over the last two years, replacing them with youth through the draft, those quarterbacks, those cornerbacks that they've drafted high, how they're going to fit in. I do think if they're not defensively better, the Packers, then I think the Bears could route them tonight. Yeah, but I think they will be defensively better, so that's going to be interesting. And how good is the Bears' defense going to be with a new coordinator in Chuck Pagano? Yeah, I, I, yeah, and it was interesting being at training the other day, seeing Pagano and Khalil Mack interacting while they were doing stretches and warm-ups, etc. Quite a jovial relationship, kind of laughing, a bit of back and forth, very relaxed. But also it was clear that 
Pagano had Max ear and vice versa, and he was the guy that he was going to when they were doing drills. He was the one he was relying on to help marshal the team, and so and he's so clearly the leader there. Also, I haven't told this story yet, but it was at the new Bears training facility. So it's the same facility, but they've built a, two new fields and a new indoor training facility. About a ten-minute walk up the hill. It's probably exaggerated. It's probably five minutes, but ten for you. Felt like ten when it was like thirty degrees the other day. I'll tell you that for nothing. The players get a bus that takes them from the locker room and the um, and where the f- main facility is up to the top. But the press walk up there. So they get, tell you 10 minutes beforehand and the cameramen walk up there. So we're walking up there and we're chatting with a local reporter, uh, me and my mate JC, and we suddenly just hear from behind us, beep, 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 <laughs> beep. And it's Khalil Mack leaning out the window of the bus, like shouting, basically getting, telling us to get out of the way because <laughs> the players are coming. That's fantastic. Uh, with a big old grin on his face. He was sat next to the bus driver and he was just having a whale of a time. So I, I think this defence is still going to be great this year. I know Fangio's a brilliant coordinator and I hope he does a brilliant job. Now he's got a crack at being a head coach. But yeah, I, don't, I think a small fall off is possible, but I don't think it's going to be huge because there's so much talent. Uh, I'm hum- I'm humped. Pumped. I was hyped and pumped for tonight. I hope you're not humped when I'm in the bed <laughs> next year. <laughs> Can't wait. And so obviously keep an eye at Gridiron on Twitter and on Instagram for we'll be doing an Insta story. We'll be tweeting out content. We'll be doing player interviews afterwards. I'm guessing in the winning locker room. So there's lots of stuff to come over the coming days. And we'll be doing this podcast every week. Yep. Um, we, we, we talked about doing two teams because we nearly did Steelers... Pats this week. Yeah, but it's, it's a modern just, rivalry. It's more but... of a modern one. We're trying to keep it as historical as as possible. And there's some awesome ones coming up. I mean, I'm, can, I can't can, wait. Can, can you reveal what we're going to be doing in, in the week two show? Can, I can, you, I can, can you pull back the curtain? Give us a little tease, I maybe. Can, let me just have a look at my list because I have I have got all this put together <laughs> week by week. So week two, we're going to have a little bit of chat about Browns Jets, which is another game I'll be at. At, it's a Monday Night Football, and it was the first ever Monday Night Football game. The big one, though, is going to be 49ers-Bengals. Two Super Bowls in the 1980s. Just just a couple of decent interviews, you know. Bengals head coach Sam White, the innovator who brought us the no-huddle offence. Um, Ken Anderson, who was the quarterback in that first Super Bowl. And, you know, just a little bit of, of Jerry Rice as well. You know, he was all right, wasn't he? Yeah, decent yeah, enough. I mean... The goat. Let's be honest. I think he did. I think he did pretty well in the in the second Super Bowl between them as well, <laughs> if I remember rightly. Uh, so yeah, next week, 49ers Bengals, the big focus. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the games this weekend. The NFL's back, baby. Yes. <laughs>